just going to walk through a few announcements. I'm just, I'm aching for Dan over here. I'll let him tell the story. I won't steal that from him. But a um, couple of things to just highlight this morning. A lot going on right now as we're transitioning in this new season with spring around the corner. So I just want to let you know about a few things that are happening. If you got kids, we are dismissing kids. At the end of the last worship song, kids can go to their classes. If you have any questions about how that looks, meet us in the foyer. Angela will be back there directing people to where they need to go. We are um, also doing youth group every Sunday except the first Sunday of the month. And the first Sunday of the month, we actually meet a little earlier and they bring in donuts and it's just a gathering time. And then those kids will come back in and participate in communion and worship with the group. Also meeting on Wednesday nights um, here at the church at 6.30. So if you don't have this, um, the Bible app is also what we're using right now, so you can download it. It's an easy way to see all of the announcements. It's got links in here. One of the cool links that I like, Mike, where did Mike go? Hi, Mike. So Mike has this cool link in there where on Apple Music or Spotify, they're loading in all the worship songs that they're kind of listening to throughout the week. So if you want to like tap into that, you can be driving down the road. I think they put 30 some songs in there at times and that's just a really fun way to kind of be worshiping together as a group based upon some of the music that our worship team is putting together. Young adults, did you guys meet this morning? How was it? Good, a couple thumbs up. So we are having our young adult group that's meeting. I know they're doing some outside activities, but every Sunday at 8.45, they're going through the Francis Chan book. How much longer you guys got? Two chapters left. So if you want to come and hear the end of the story, come next week, right? I'm sure they'll be jumping into other things, but young adults are meeting. Also, our women's Bible study is meeting every other um, uh, Saturday at 9 o'clock. And then put this on your calendar starting this March 30th. We are having Women's Ministry Wednesday Fellowship Time, 6.30 here at the church. Where, is it 6.30, Angela? Wednesday nights? Okay. And so if you want to participate in that, this coming Wednesday, March 30th, is the first one for the spring season. The next one is April 13th, and then the next one is May 1st. And also bear in mind, too, um, the third Wednesday of every month at 6.30, we are having our prayer times you can join that on Zoom. And we're trying to start regathering here at the church to do our prayer times together. So just a lot going on. All of this is on the website. It's all on the Bible app. So make sure that you download that and you can kind of stay in tune with what's going on in and around us. But um, let me pray for us this morning and move us into some worship. Father, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for the opportunity to come here even when our mornings are, are, are rough. And sometimes it's even just difficult to get here. Father, I thank you that you are a God who knows and cares about what's going on in our lives and that you give us this place to come to be refreshed, to be recalibrated, to be able to hear your word in a way that it can inspire our lives to move closer to you. I also thank you for the chance just to worship you, to be able to come into the throne room and get on our knees and give you the worth that you deserve as our Lord and Savior, as the ruler of all things. And so this morning, Father, we pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would open the eyes of our hearts and you would teach each and every one of us exactly what we individually need to hear. Pray for Dan this morning. I pray that you would just put everything into his brain that he needs, organize and reorganize so that he's able to really come up here and, and give us your word, Lord. We thank you and we praise you. Amen.
Why don't we stand and worship together? We're going to start with a song where it's just really a call to just come before the Lord and um, allow the world, all the distractions, all the busyness, all the things that are um, discouraging us or just haven't gone right to just fade away. And the first um, words of the song are, speak to me. And I just feel like this morning, obviously, we know, but we have to be reminded of that, that his voice, who he is, makes all the difference in our lives. And so I just really encourage you to just allow the Lord to speak to us this morning so that we can just, he can do business in our hearts and our life, and we can just pour out worship to him, because that really is our goal, is just to give him, just like Kevin prayed, um, the worth that he deserves this morning.
to sing a song called uh, Not Afraid. But I just want to highlight that, that even when things go wrong and like it's hard, we still have Jesus and we don't have to be afraid of anything because of that. this confidence because I've seen the faithfulness of God the still inside the storm the promise of the shore I trust the power of your word enough to seek your kingdom first beyond the barren place Beyond the ocean waves I walk through the water I won't be overcome When I go through the rivers I will not be drowned My God will make a way So I am not afraid Find me, no shadow, no valley Where you won't find me, no I am 
be drowned my god will make a way so i am not afraid god i thank you that we can stand in confidence and say that god i thank you that you are a god that doesn't change on the mountains or in the valleys god that we can say any day, anywhere, that you are good and you are faithful. You have proven that time and time again in our lives. So God, we choose to believe that and stand in that today. God, we give you this time. I ask that you would just speak to our hearts and remind us of your faithfulness, of your nearness before us, behind us, and beside us through it all. You're not just sovereign overall, but you are right there next to us. God, we thank you for that. God, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You guys can turn to a neighbor, greet each other, um, and then Dan's going to come up.
you. I just want to start by saying thank you for all of you who prayed for uh, Pastor Sean. He's at home resting. The surgery went well, and he and his family are very, very thankful for everyone's prayers, and now we're uh, excited to see his recovery and see him back uh, moving fast again, so we're excited for that. So I know he's super thankful for everyone's prayers and um, just walking this long journey with him. This has not been a small thing, so thank you for that. and really appreciate it. So this morning, yeah, crazy for me. I worked really hard to prepare a sermon for y'all. And um, leaving the house today, I, uh, of all things, I see a pile of dirt that my snowplow had pushed, and it was bothering me because now the snow melted and there was a pile behind my truck. So I set my laptop on the back of my truck. That's all I have to say, right? <laughs> and I moved the dirt. And then I proceeded to get in my truck, back away, laptop falls off, and I run over it. So there's my sermon. See you later. Oh. So that, uh, so I frantically, after talking to technological people this morning, um, just sat out here and kind of rewrote some thoughts of where we're heading and said, let's go for it. So I kept hearing all the way down the canyon after I got over just being really ticked off. I threw my laptop, by the way. <laughs> when I opened it and realized the screen was all just... I realize I depend way too much on technology, and I depend way too much on other things when you think you're doing the work of God. And so we're transitioning in the book of uh, Galatians to this place where Paul is asking us to depend on the life of the Spirit, depend on the fruit of the Spirit, depend on the fruit of Him moving in and through your life, and that is very applicable for me this morning. So I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity. <laughs> um, he talks a lot in Galatians about this freedom. It is for freedom we have been set free. It's freedom is what we live for in Galatians. That is what he's re reminding them. He's reminding them, you once lived this way when you brought Jesus into your life, and now you're abandoning that. You're going back to your religion. You're going back to these safe things you used to know. If you remember the, uh, the picture of the elephant that was tethered to the pole that kept walking and walking and walking, and then they finally took the rope off, and the elephant just kept walking and walking and walking. They found that it's like a circus story. And we, we get used to, we're creatures of habit. We go back to what we did. We go back, sometimes it's even miserable and we go back to it. Sometimes it's even not even worth living for, and we go back to it with some sense of comfort but it is destruction in the end. And that's where we're transitioning in the book of Galatians is, is heading there. Kevin spoke last week um, just about the, the terminology of a yoke and what that's all about. And I've been thinking about it quite a bit this week and um, decided to grab this. This I could have ran over and still brought. But this is a neck yoke that was hanging in our barn that we used for years. And... The, the power of the yoke is something to be thinking about because, you know, Paul was telling the people, be careful who you're yoked to. You're, you're getting yoked to things that aren't 
good. And the yoke means this is, this is one horse or one cow or one oxen. This is the other. This one tethers back to whatever you're pulling. And one yoke can pull, one side of the yoke can pull harder than the other. If this one's not wanting to be obedient, this one can pull and still pull the wagon forward or pull the plow forward or whatever it might be. And this one just has to go along for the ride. And when you think of a yoke, you've got to think through what is, why does the writer keep telling us about a yoke? And then we, we know when Jesus is talking to us in the Sermon on the Mount, he tells us, you know, about the yoke. And he tells us about what, it's, what it means to be yoked. Uh, and he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so I, I think thinking through where we're heading, there's a tension going on here in the yoke that... Paul is wanting us to see and wanting us to understand as we move into this next section of of Galatians and that there's this sense of attention because this influencing yoke can be negative and pull us into a life of religious law or it can be a life in Jesus that pulls us into grace and hope. But... One of the things we have to realize is when Jesus says my yoke is easy, he's not saying the work is easy. Anytime you've got to use one of these, the work is hard. You're plowing a field. You're digging deep dirt. You're bringing feed to, to take care of the animals. You are hauling your whole family to town back in the day. The work is hard, but the yoke is easy if you've got both pulling correctly. And if you've got Jesus on one side saying, just follow me, I'm mature. I'm going forward. And I think today we're going to talk about the race, that there's a race set before us. And Paul uses this terminology. He uses it a lot in scripture. And this race is um, oftentimes misunderstood because sometimes we're on the wrong track or sometimes we're running a race that we think is being proficient or being good or taking us in the right way and we realize we're on the wrong road and it's a road that leads to destruction. So why don't you pray with me and then we're going to just dig into the scripture here and, and start really thinking through this. Heavenly Father, I thank you for yoking up to us throughout life and in the hard times. I thank you, Lord, for pulling us in the right direction and showing us the cadence, showing us the way. And Lord, I pray as we do the hard work of just running after you and running the race well and finishing strong, that God, you would just guide and direct us each step of the way. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen. So that last passage of Scripture ended with the one thing. Remember Kevin talking about the one thing. And he says, there's just one thing, is if you could express your faith in love. That's the goal here. Expressing your faith in love. If you're living that way, you're not living a religious life. You're not living a life full of laws and rules that you're patting yourself on the back for, that you're, 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 you're just... You're following after him, and you're loving others as he would love you. You're living out your faith with, out of a love relationship with him and him with you. And I think that's what's really important as we transition into this place. But there is a problem here. 
There's a problem amongst all of us. There's a problem in Christianity. And that problem really comes down to trying to be religious and perfectionist, trying to be someone that fits the mold, whatever that mold is, and forgetting that God has already accepted us through Jesus Christ. But when we walk down this road of destruction, when we walk in this place, this problem area, what happens is we immediately begin to realize when we look at ourselves in the mirror, we never measure up. And then when we don't measure up, then we get more critical with ourselves. And when we're on this path, guess what? No one else measures up either. And you start looking around and you'd be like, ah, they were a good Christian. Then they would, whatever, finish my sentence. And we start living this life and... I don't know if you've ever experienced that personally, I have, where I've felt myself in those places, and it's, it's ugly. It, there's, no, there's no end to that game. You might feel good for a second, but it's truly just a second. But then, there's this race we can run that is satisfying, that was meant to be ran, that Christ put before us. And this race is different. It's a grace of hope. It's a race of grace. It's empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is where you start offering others grace. This is where you start encouraging others in their struggle to live with grace. This is where you start living in a place of transparency where you start telling others where you struggle. And all of a sudden they feel encouraged because misery loves company to say, we can do this together. I'll help you, you help me, let's go. And that's a different place. That's the life of hope and grace. That's a life of transparency. That's a life that just starts calling people towards Jesus. And I think that's the goal of what he wants for us. The Bible itself has a lot to say about running. And Paul himself has a lot to say about running. Hebrews chapter 12 says this. In the context of Hebrews 12, if you read Hebrews 11 is Hebrews 11 is that chapter of the, the famous people of the faith. Those who were totally seen as those who had faith and did it well. The Abraham, Moses, all the people of the Old Testament. We read back and we're like, look at that. It was their faith that drove them forward. And they persevered through the hard times. And they won the prize when they got to the end of the race. And then the author says in chapter 12, he starts with the word therefore. He's saying, based on all these great people of faith that have went before us, and I think you all here could sit back and think of some of your heroes from the scriptures if you spent time in the Old Testament, or you might be able to think of some of those heroes you had here on this life, here on this earth, that you look back and they, they ran the race well. And he says, therefore, based on those people, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. See, that's the race he's called us to. Another passage of scripture that I think is, is fun that Paul writes on about the, the race is 1 Corinthians 
chapter 9, verses 24 through 27 says this. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into a strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating in the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. And see, this race he's called us to is really important. And oftentimes I think we forget we're in the race and we forget to prepare for the race. And then we're stuck. I've been talking to uh, Jeff Fox and Dave Klingman a little bit as they're preparing for the Grand Traverse and oh my goodness, that's, that's a preparation. And that's not a race where if you're not doing well, you just raise your hand the, and the van comes and picks you up. You know, you gotta, you gotta prepare well, you gotta do well, you gotta really be ready to go and do this race. And I think it's important to understand that in the race of life, there's a lot of preparation that needs to happen. There's a lot that we need to be working on to make sure we, we run well, we run with endurance, and then we finish well. And that's what Paul, in our scripture today, is wanting us to look at. So join me in Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to pick up at verse 7 and read through verse 12. He says this, You were running a good race. Who cut in on you? to keep you from obeying the truth. That kind of persecution does not come from the one who's called you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay a penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am preaching circumcision, if if I am still preaching circumcision, Why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, this is some hard words right here, I wish you would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Paul is passionate about this. This is no little thing to him. He is ticked off that these people that he's been discipling and leading and guiding are getting drawn away by that wrong yoke. They're being pulled in a direction that he says, those folks, whoever they are, they're wrapping you up with confusion. Man, they have a penalty to pay, he said. And I hope they go the whole way and overplay their hand and emasculate themselves. I'm like, wow, that's intense. But I think as a parent, for those of you who are parents in this room, you get that passion. You get that passion if you see someone doing something and leading your kids astray. Oh, man. Mama bear, papa bear comes out. It's, it's, it's game time. You better back off because it's really important. I think that's the, the passion with which he's talking to us. I grew up, I'm going to stay in the cowboy theme because I grew up 
riding horses all the time. Um, running was never my thing, you can probably tell. I'm not a runner. But running horses was a lot of fun for me. I loved running horses. And every 4th of July up in Cold Creek where we live now, uh, maybe Graham, we can bring this back someday, there was a horse race. And there was this probably about 200-yard dead-end road that everybody at about 1 p.m. after the parade and everything would start rolling over for the horse race. Everybody bring their fastest horses. And about the first 100 yards, it was as straight as an arrow, and then it would bend about 22 degrees and bend to the left. And you'd see everybody out there prepping and racing their horses and doing all these things and then finishing strong and trying all these different tactics. And, you know, there's times my dad would try to get me to race his horse Sheba because I was lighter and we could maybe win, and, and, but I didn't know how to ride her as good, and he would always end up having to ride her because I would do some practice runs. And, and I mean, these, these guys took it serious, and it was a lot of fun. And one of the things that realize as we're thinking through this is Paul is saying, first of all, do you know you're in the race? Are you in the race? Are you preparing for the race? Are you... Some people, I think, in our, in our faith just don't realize they're in a race. There's been seasons in my Christianity, I didn't realize it. I just along for the ride. I was in the caboose. There was no race going on in my brain. There was nothing driving my heart to go after what God wanted for my life. And I think running this race, there's a couple things we need to work, think about. First of all, what is the focus of the runner? What is the focus of the one who's in the race? Well, you got to know your course. You got to know your training. You got to know what you're looking at, what's going on. You, know, you got to know the prize. Where are you heading? Where are you going? You got to understand the course, which way it goes, which way it bends, where the elevations are. All these things are really important for a runner. And I was thinking as we were talking through, he, he, Paul asked a question. But who's cutting you off? Who's cutting you off? And one of the things that when we used to race these horses that was really fun and my dad would teach me is we would tether from here, from the chin of the horse down to the breast strap and then the breast strap would tether back behind between the horse's legs and grab the, the belly strap. And that was the purpose so the horse couldn't do this and throw its head up. And we would tighten that up in the race um, because we knew another horse was going to try to cut, cut in on us. And it usually meant when you're, you're, you would go down that race and then you'd start to bend, what would happen is the horses, you would start rubbing legs with the guy next to you if you were the two up front. And during that time, my dad would teach me, and I'd watch him do it, you reach up and you put your hand right on the, head, the horse's head, right between the ears, and then you're whipping their butt like this with your other hand. And what you're doing is you're holding their head down because what would happen is uh, the horse, if another horse would inch up, it would tuck its head in and your horse would do this and then you lose the race. That's just as simple as it was. And so when Paul says, who's cutting in on you? What does this look like? I think just like that small experience in my life, you have experiences of where you get cut in on. 
You know those places where you're just running the race well, and all of a sudden, your horse lifts its head because you're not paying attention. You're not directing that horse. And all of a sudden, you're cut in on, and you're back into some of those old patterns. What are those weak areas? What are those areas that Paul could be writing a letter to you and saying, you keep getting cut in on? What is it? Who's cutting in on you? Let's define that. Let's name it. I think part of that is, re is really, really important. When, when Scripture says, you know, confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. I think that confession of our struggles, those places we get cut in on, brings a focus, it brings a healing. It puts the things aside that keep distracting us. I think it's really important to understand that God is just as passionate or much more passionate than Paul. And Paul says, who are those agitators that are doing this to you? The Spirit of God is just as passionate for us. He's passionate to cut in and remove those agitators so you can run your race well. Next thing we see in this scripture is this statement. He says, I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who's throwing you into confusion, whoever it may be, will have to pay a penalty. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. In any good race, you have a coach. You have someone that's helping you win that race. Someone that's went before you. Someone that's done it multiple times before you. This might be mentors, parents, good friends, a group of people. I don't know what it is for you. But that coach believes in you, and he's put you in the race. And the people around you believe in you, and they put you in the race. They've called you, get in the race. You can do it, you're good at it. You're an athlete, you can do it, go. That's what the coach says. And we know that the Spirit of God is our coach. He's the one saying, hey, I've called you, I've, I've appointed you, and I've chosen you to go bear fruit. John 15. And your fruit's going to remain. It's going to make a difference. I think it's important to realize those who are training us in our lives have went before us. Starting with the Spirit of God himself, I mean, God sent Jesus, his only son, into this earth to live a human life so that he could relate to us, connect to us. And then he said, Jesus said, I must go because another is coming, the counselor, the teacher of truth. He's going to come, and I must go because you need him. He's going to guide you. He's going to direct you. He's going to go before you, behind you, beside you. I think we just sang a song like that, didn't we? And next, we need to trust the training. Trust the training that the coach is giving us. It's a still voice sometimes. It's a quiet voice. Where you're just starting to get cut in on on the race, and you hear that still voice say, you don't have to go there this time. You don't have to bend this time. Press on. 
Press on. Press on to the prize, to the upward call of Christ Jesus. Press on. One of my favorite country songs, staying in the theme, is by Chris Young, and he's called I Hear Voices. And in this song, he's talking about all the voices of his parents and his grandparents. NGB knows that song. And he just kind of reminisces of all these voices of all the people in his life that they've said to him since he was a little kid. And I think we all have those good influences of voices and those remembrance. Those things where David in the psalm says, take those things and bind them around your neck. Wear them as a garlet on your robe. And they'll remind you of all the things you've ever needed to know. Heed the words. I think between those physical influencers in our lives that we look up to, or look up to, used to look up to as a child even, and the scriptures themselves, and the more we spend time in the bread of life feeding our souls, the more these voices get louder and louder and louder. And we need to follow them and remember to follow the voices and the trainings that are of truth and grace. Because there's two paths. There's two paths we choose in this life. There's the path of religion and there's the path of freedom. My dad would always tell me when I was young, Dan, we're not religious people. And then, of course, all my friends would say, your family's such a religious family because there's two different terminologies going on here. But he would say that to me because he wanted me to understand religion led to death. Religion was made up with a daily process of just following rules with no end in mind to feel good about ourselves. But freedom came when we adopted the truth and the grace and we practiced the things that led to hope, that led to freedom, that led to grace. And it is so obvious to see those things. You can see the people throughout your life, if you look back and think, that led you towards Jesus in their religious pursuits and the ones who made you feel horrible about yourself. That's the two paths. And those two, those two paths are super interesting because one of those paths leads to life and one leads to death and destruction. One of the most interesting things to me is when you read through the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 through 7, it starts out in verse, chapter 5, verse 1, and it says, Jesus saw the crowds and slipped away and went up on the mountainside, and his disciples came to him. And then he began to teach them. And then he teaches all these principles through the Sermon on the Mount, some of the most practical, beautiful things you'll ever read. But then you get to the end of chapter 7, the very last verse. It says, The crowds were amazed by his teaching and thought he was one who taught with authority. So the picture here is he goes up on the hillside to get away, to teach. And his audience is his closest followers, his disciples, the ones who have laid down their life to follow him. And by the end, it's the crowds have made their way back to him because they're so intrigued by him. And right in there, probably three quarters of the way through, 
In Matthew chapter 7, it says this. Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, it says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So when you think of the context of this, and you have his disciples and the crowds and this mix of followers that are, some are committed, some are not, some are wherever it is, it's what you call the Church of Jesus Christ, right? In any given room you're in, in the church, you've got a mix of people. Some are following passionately, some are not. Some are in deep, listening to the coach, running the race well. Others are on the sidelines, popping the recliner up, saying, I'm good. And everybody in between. And I think the two paths we're choosing here is one, I think believers can go down both paths. And that's just my opinion. I don't think he's separating out and saying, well, I'm talking about believers and unbelievers here on the two roads. I believe he's saying believers can go down either path and one of them can be crowded. Then there's going to be the narrow gate that a few will find and it's the life, it's the hope. And I think that's his, his call to every one of us. And again, Back to that yoke, that, that is not the easy, it, it, it's not easy to go with Jesus, even though he says his yoke is easy. You're doing hard work. But what he's saying is, I'm leading it, I'm pulling the load. I got you, I'm going to take you where you need to go. Strap in, let's go. Follow me. We're doing a work together. I think it's important to understand that the yoke that he's calling us to is a yoke of hope, a yoke of easy, a yoke that is important for us to understand and live into. And the path that leads to this hope, you'll find grace, and you'll be a grace giver. And that'll be important for you. Because Paul is truly passionate about making sure those who are cutting us off pushed out of the way, so that we can run the race well and finish well. So here's some thoughts for you to uh, wrestle with this week, take home. You need to answer the question really honestly, and it's a simple question. Are you in the race? Are you in the race? There are a lot of believers, followers of Jesus, that are so sidetracked right now, I'm just being super honest, with politics and religion and proving they're right versus they're wrong and spending so much time trying to fact check all this stuff going on in our world right now. And the enemy loves it. Enemy loves every bit of it because they're not influencing people for him. They're just talking. Talk, talk, talk. I think it's important for all of us to see how easy it is we can talk about right things. We can talk about what we're 
our opinions. But in the end, are we listening to the Spirit of God? Are we listening to the Spirit of God on behalf of the conversations we're going to have throughout our day with the people we're going to be around throughout the day? Are we listening to the Spirit of God when He's asking you maybe to lay something down and sacrifice to, to help someone? Are we listening for Him to give us some guidance that maybe we've never known before? When's the last time you said, teach me something I don't know, God. Help me understand. I do not know how to handle this situation. I think it's really important to make sure you're in the right race. And you're in the race. Because those first disciples that followed Jesus, they got in the race and they changed the world. We're sitting here today because of them. Because they got in the race. And they, they showed us what it was going to look like when Jesus went back to heaven. And the spirit of truth came and began to mentor them. They changed the world. It spread all the way. What we now call the United States of America. You know, that's a long ways away. And there's a reason the name of Jesus is so offensive to this day to so many. That's because his name has power to change the world. We've got to remember that. Second question I have for you is, who are your influencers? Someone, something, some, something is influencing you in this life. Who are they? Define it. Is it the right influencers? Are you listening to the right coach? Are you listening to the right voices? Are you listening to the ones that are cutting in on you instead? Who are your influencers? Name it. And you may be sitting here saying, I, I don't think I have any. Well, you do. You definitely do. Because if you, you don't have any, you're, you're just flying by the whims of this world. And those influences will take you down that broad path. Be intentional about what you're looking at, what you're listening to, what's, what, what, you're, what you're asking for, for growth in your journey with Jesus Christ. Read the right things. Dig into the right places. If you don't know, ask people around you that you know are following Jesus well. Say, what do you do? What do you read? What do you look at? What, what is it about you that you take in? Like, what, what, what are you eating, per se, in the, in the sense of influence? It's important. And the last one is really a challenge to yoke up to the one who can train you. And that's the Spirit of God. Yoke up to him. Do what it takes to steward yourself alongside and come in and say, I'm hooking up. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go to the right race. Let's do the right things. Let's follow what your spirit's asking us to follow. Let me read this passage to you. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. It says, come to me, 
all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me read that one more time. Personalize it. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Those are his words, and those promises are good today. Let's pray together. Spirit of the living God, we want to follow you. We want to trust you. We want to walk with you. We want to come into that yoke where we can walk in cadence with you and find rest, find purpose in the work we're doing together. So Lord, we trust you. We need you. We want to be in the race. We want to finish well. We want to cross over one day into the heavenly kingdom and well done, my good and faithful servant. That is our desire. The Lord, lead us into the path of grace, hope, and a future with you. We'll give you all the glory. We're going to sing a song <clears throat> called Running in Circles. Um, this song has meant a lot to me in my life and sometimes feels like my anthem <laughs> of just um, being in this place over and over again where I have to just come and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm running in circles. I forgot um, that you are good, that you are faithful. I forgot that I can trust you. I forgot that I can rest in you. Um, and so if that's you, a lot too, um, I just encourage you today to um, really let those words that you're singing um, just echo and um, go deep, just saying, Lord, I come. And um, yeah, it's, I love that imagery of running and the race, because sometimes we feel like we're in the race, but really we're just going like this, not going anywhere, um, but we're still running and it's still exhausting. But um, so yeah, we just need that constant reminder that we're really not in the race if all we're doing is this, if we're just, you know, steering off into that path of destruction but then we're running back around and going back to freedom and it's just we don't have to do that um, there is a promise of a straight path um, that provides freedom and rest and so we're going to sing this today 
and just come back to that place. If you feel like you've kind of veered off, this is your chance to just um, come back and say, I'm sorry, Lord, here I am. And then maybe stay there a little longer without veering off. <laughs> But you always remind me You're the only one who brings me peace I'm so forgetful But you always remind me You're the only one who brings me peace You are
mountain I could not climb in desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written jesus christ my
We're going to sing one more song. Just want you guys stand with us. Just sing of the goodness of God and his faithfulness. And um, this song has some running imagery too. And just the reminder that um, we're not the only ones running. That God is running right alongside us. Um, he's running after us when we're running away. But he is the yoke. And he's running with us. And he is always faithful. So let's sing this together.
Asuka, sing that again all my life. So my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so so 